Okay, one. Uh, two. <laughs> three. <laughs> that was the most uncoordinated countdown we've ever had. Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this uh, kind of a special edition of the RC Roundtable. Another special edition? Another special edition. <laughs> hey, you know, Blossom's a very special girl. We, we need to get some more synonyms to describe special. This is uh, <laughs> Unique. <laughs> this is our Christmas in July special episode. There we go. Hallmark. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Hallmark Channel. So uh, a couple of things have happened over the past week since our last recording session. So we thought we'd sort of uh, give you a uh, abbreviated episode this time to talk about a few things before they got too stale. So uh, we mentioned before in our last episode. We're, we're the freshest podcast out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're not ready to make that clear yet. <laughs> the fresh prince of podcasting. Oh, gosh. We're not stale like the other podcasts. Oh, yes. stale, yes. Of course, those two voices you heard are Lee Ray and Derry Dunn. Hello. Hey. hey. Uh, so let's start with Terry. You survived your trip to Flight Fest, Ohio. Boy, did I. Yes. We want to hear all about we it. We want to hear all the deep and dirty secrets, what you guys did after dark. Uh, <laughs> I just want to tell, I'm going to tell everybody that Terry just loves not telling us, not sharing with anything with us until we had the podcast. So this was kind of my way of getting to getting some information out of him before waiting another week for our podcast. Yeah, really. It's like he never went. It's like, did you actually go somewhere this weekend? I, I saw like two or three pictures you posted and that was it. What, what do you want from me? Information. I, I, I sent some I demand texts. updates. No, I texted you during the day and... Nobody asked me after that. Maybe I've just trained you not to even ask before we turn on the mics. Is that what's happened here? Yes. Yeah. But it's it's like, <laughs> darn it, just tell us. <laughs> yes. The mic is on. We want to know everything. Okay. It's all yours. Go. From well, the moment you woke up. What did you eat for breakfast? Yes. <laughs> How many revolutions did your tires make? <laughs> I could probably calculate that with a fair degree of accuracy. <laughs> what were you what what were you wearing, Terry? <laughs> I was wearing my RC round table shirt. So Is that the one my my mama sewed for you? That's the exact one. All right. Thank you, Lee's mama. Good choice. Good choice. All right, continue. Share you, with us. You were there just for the day, right? I think right. I was only there on Saturday. And yeah, I can talk about the sanity of that some more because uh, even going into it, I was saying I wanted to stay longer, but it just didn't fit the schedule. And now that it's done, I'm even more convinced that one day just really isn't enough to to experience what this thing has to offer. Yeah, oh, no. Now that all, all of us have been, we all can agree on that, right? Yeah. Well, I don't think it was ever in question before, but you know, I still go with the assumption that if I really concentrate and I have a game plan, I can really fit a lot of stuff in. And while I did fit a lot of stuff in, I know there was so many things that I didn't get done that I wanted to do as well. So, and but the funny thing is, talking with other people, kind of in the moment, I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm just running from one thing to the next. Is it any better when you're here for three or four days? They're like, no, you just kind of do the same thing for three or four days. 
So, <laughs> but you know, logically, in those three or four days, you're you're checking off more of the things on your list. So uh, that's another thing I I just have to try for myself. And, and since we're already talking about this, for me, it comes down to whether I'm taking pictures or interacting with people or flying airplanes. And especially the taking pictures part, I tried to do both and it's just not practical. So having realized that fairly early in the morning this year, I decided, well, I'm going to fly airplanes. I took pictures last year. I see people that are here taking pictures now. So I'm going to gamble that other people are getting some pretty good stuff and I'm going to fly my airplanes. So I really did not take that many pictures. And I'll see if I got anything good and I'll, I'll share what I have, but it's not much. The good news is I've already run across one album that is spectacular. And I believe the gentleman's name is Aiden Ward. And he's 10 times the photographer that I am. And he was on the flight line for a lot of stuff. So I believe I can link that album that he's got. If I can, I will put it on our Facebook page. But uh, he's got some really good stuff there. A lot of nice combat action shots with parts flying and all that. Well, while you're talking and people are listening, send that, tell me that link right now so Fitz and I can look at the lovely photos while you jibber jab. Oh, well, I would have to have the thing in front of me because it's one of those cryptic links. It's, um, yeah, so, yeah, you'll just have to. Listen to you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I guess I'll wait for the link to come out. All right. So, anyway, and thinking about this, Ideally, if I'm able to do this next year, I'll go, you know, again, this is just conjecture, but I'd like to go one day and say, all right, today's picture day. I'm going to get up on that flight line and I'm going to take pictures and I'm not going to miss anything. And then tomorrow I'm going to fly all my airplanes and not worry about pictures. So that seems like a logical way to attack it, but I don't know if it's practical, but I'd like to find out for myself. So if I'm able to pull those things together. That's my plan of attack for next year. So the other two things that were on my list, fly airplanes and talk to people, meet people. I did do a whole bunch of that. And so I'm quite satisfied with how much I accomplished there. Now you met quite a few people, didn't you? Um, yes. That... Some, some of them were prearranged. Well, I guess there's three categories of people, people that I know either from my club here or people that I've met in other places, people that I met at Flight Fest last year. And then there's that eternal group of people I know over the internet, but have yet to meet in person. And so there were a few of those people that I had arranged to see, or at least the, hey, I'll be there. We'll, we'll make sure to bump into each other. And uh, like I said, I think I checked all the boxes on those. So, well, heck, I'll just run down the list of people. Uh, one of the first people I ran into was Joshua Orchard, our buddy. With the, he's been on the show. Um, he had his shiny P forty seven there, and while the pictures of it are beautiful, to see it in the sunshine with all the rivet details is something else entirely. So it's an impressive model. Now you and, covered that in metal, right? I think. Yeah, the AC tape, the metal mm. tape, and then yeah, it, and it looks good. You don't see the seams. He's got nice panel lines and rivets and all that good stuff. Wow. And uh, it, it had an incident. So, an incident. Yeah, it's it's repairable, but it, there was an incident there. And, uh, well, hey, we can talk about it, because I think the theme of the show is going to be how Flight Fest is not quite anything else. And in this sense, he was flying the P-47. He was getting some radio hits, and you could anybody watching it would see that it goes from a very smooth flying airplane into having some erratic stuff. So 
when I saw that, I'm like, ooh, he looks like he's having some radio problems. And then talking to him after the fact, that's what happened. So he came in for an emergency approach and a landing, and everything was looking super great. And then um, what I thought was one thing turned out to be something a little bit different. He basically ran into a sign that was placed on the grass part of the runway. They had some pattern direction signs on the runway. And ironically enough, I think Josh said that he's the one who put the signs out there. Uh, (laughs) But I was a little bit further down the runway ready to take pictures and taking some pictures. So I'm clicking as it's coming in for landing and rolling on the mains. And then in one shot, it's the airplane and a person. So I thought that he had run into the person, but that was not the case. He did not hit a person. He hit the sign who was crouched or he had a person was crouched behind the sign. So what he hit was the sign. The person was not touched by the airplane, but they did do a nice dive out of the way. Uh, so, um, I mean, still yeah, a little bit scary anyway, cause you know, it's, it's not a tiny airplane and could have hurt yeah. someone. Nobody was hurt. And, uh, the person who was there admitted that they were out there cognizant of the dangers on their own free will. Now, any other AMA kind of event, the, the contest director is not going to allow you to make those sorts of decisions for yourself, but things are a little bit looser here and that's okay. It is what it is. So no bruised feelings. No, I don't even think bruised bodies, uh, just a broken sign and a broken wing, which is repairable. Can, can you remind us some details about the P 47? Was it a kit? It was a Hangar 9 ARF that he stripped off all the covering and ah. applied this aluminum tape, and it it's shiny and pretty. Yeah, one of the first things I think about when, when I hear aluminum tape around an airplane is a RF shield Faraday cage around yeah, a receiver. Right, and I know that was some concern that he addressed before flying it, and he has flown it numerous other times without issue. So once again, if you're talking the the uniqueness of Flight Fest, there's... I can't think of any time I looked in the sky and saw less than 20 airplanes. So it's a very saturated radio environment. So if ever there's a place that you're going to have problems, that's where it's at. Yeah, you mentioned so, before that you, you thought you had some radio issues. Yeah, and that was during combat when it's probably at its peak of saturation. Mm. So, I, again, I don't know if the issue that he had was specific to the environment or if he actually did have – I really don't know. but. um he was able to recover and come in. It wasn't a total lockout or anything like that. So the only notable part of that incident was that the, the unfortunate contact at the end. But like I said, Josh was, you know, not upset about it. The the person on the runway was not upset about it, and lots of people exhaled very loudly with relief when he <laughs> got up and, and walked away. So it looked much worse than it was. But again, in in the grand scheme of things at FlyFest, it was shrugged off. It wasn't like they shut down the runway and had an emergency meeting about it. It was, okay, um, that maybe wasn't the best decision to be out there. Don't do that anymore. Let's move on. So, And who in the hell put these signs here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, don't quote me on that, but I thought Josh was saying that, that he had done that. So but it's uh, you know tasty irony if that was the case. So, uh, okay, so what got me on that? Oh, I was talking about the people. So we had Josh Orchard and uh, Ben Harbor. You guys know who Ben Harbor is. He builds a lot of neat stuff, Flight Fest style. He was there. He came out from California, and he's one of those people I know via internet, but he brought a whole crate full of stuff. 
He had a gorgeous B-52, huge, made out of foam board. I don't know what the wingspan is, but it was bigger than most people. <laughs> a foam board B-52. Yes. It, you know, when you get up close, it's kind of boxy, like you expect a foam board airplane to be. But in the sky, the silhouette, and it was very impressive. It even had the the transition from anhedral to dihedral as the wings start to lift. As the foam board bent all out of whack. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Did it, was it EDF or props? Um, I guess you could call it EDF, but it looked like they were shrouded props, like four-blade props with oh, okay. a f- you know, shroud around them. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get a chance to talk to him specifically what it was. But it flew great. It did ROG takeoffs, and it did a hmm. beautiful landing when I saw it. And, of course, the, the whole crowd just erupted in cheers. He had a, hmm. the whole fence. People were lined up to see it fly and a big cheer when it took off and a bigger cheer when it landed. Yeah, awesome. So, yeah. And there were a lot of examples of that kind of stuff. You know, when a unique airplane came to the flight line, everybody else, well, not everybody, most other people stopped what they were doing. They would come watch. They would cheer them on. And whether there was success or failure, it was shared by all. So, Again, that common thread, what's unique about Flight Fest? That's more spirit in that sense than I've seen anywhere else. Um, and as I say that, I think about uh, a kid who uh, took a, a B-70 out, and he flew that, and you could tell he was nervous. And I don't know if this was the first flight of the thing or what, but it was a big B-70. XB-70? The, the yeah, Val- Valkyrie. Yeah. Valkyrie? Wow, really? Yeah, another phone board, board again? Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to have trouble not jumping all over the place with this because when I start talking about one thing, it brings up a whole bunch of other thoughts. But yeah, a beautiful foam board B-70 and he flew it and he did well and he landed it. And I think the landing gear might have collapsed, but at that point, nobody cared. I mean, it could have burst into (laughs) flames when it hit the ground. It it was a success. (laughs) I've had a plane do that before. Oh, sure. And, uh, but again, it, I thought it was great because you could tell he was kind of nervous and then he gets it around, flies it a couple of times in the pattern, then lands it. And just the relief on his face is palpable. And then everybody just cheers for him. And again, the landing gear was of no consequence whatsoever. So I, I think everybody walked away from that flight feeling good about what just happened. So a real sense of community here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Let, you know what? I'm just going to read the list. Don't let me get in any tangents off this list. Cause I can go back and talk about airplanes later, but, uh, to acknowledge the people that uh, I was able to interface with their, uh, Dan spawn holes, Josh Ash, your buddy, Josh Ash yeah, from yeah. Houston. You know, as I walked up to the tent, I'm going to tangent anyway. So that didn't last long. I walked up to the tent looking for uh, spawn holes, uh, I think. And I saw Josh and I'm like, that guy looks familiar, but no, the guy I'm thinking of lives in Houston. There's no way he's here. And then he comes up and introduces himself to me. I'm like, oh, wow, it really is him. So, um, so yeah, Josh Ash drove all the way up there. Uh, Adam Drain was there. Talked to him quite a bit. Uh, Lane Starr. I think his last name was pronounced Starr. I want to say somebody else had pronounced it Stare. Well, however you pronounce Lane from Lane's Planes. I met him, chatted with him for quite a bit. He let me fly one of his Norman planes and that was a lot of fun let's see james stewart who i met last year because he's <laughs> Jimmy got stewart yeah that's the guy and uh, he's got a, a 
big plane that he flies combat with. And that's going to be a whole different story by itself. So remember to talk about James Stewart's combat plane. But uh, I met him last year and it turns out he lives very close to my family in Florida. So last year I'd gone to Flight Fest and found out James lived close to my parents. So when I was visiting my parents a few weeks later, he and I tagged up at the local flying field there and uh, did a little bit of flying. So saw him again and Christopher Brames, who is one of my New York event flying buddies and a fan of the show. David O'Brien, also another local buddy of mine. Um, I had uh, a fan come up and say hi. I believe his name was Eric. I had a few people come up and say that they enjoyed the show. Strangely enough, one guy came up and said that he recognized my voice. Apparently, I was talking to somebody else and he heard my voice. And then I was wearing the shirt and that gave him the final clue. So. <laughs> Hey, I guess the audio quality is pretty good then. I, I I don't know. I I never thought that I had a particularly unique voice. Yeah, you kind of do. Uh, it it would have been great if he said, are you Lee Wright? <laughs> <laughs> you're much taller than I pictured. <laughs> so, uh, if you're just tuning in, folks, you're listening to Fresh Air with Terry Dunn talking about Flight Fest. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, thanks to all those people who came and introduced themselves to me. And thanks to all the people who just ask me questions about the stuff I was flying. I really enjoyed talking to all the people and, and I wouldn't say explaining, but discussing the various airplanes that I had there. All right. So I'm going to keep going down the list. Uh, John Davis is another person that I recognized from content over the web, but didn't have a name and the content put together. So we closed that loop and now we're buddies. And uh, also my pal, my flying buddy here and his girlfriend, Mark, or Mark, my flying buddy, and his girlfriend, Fallon, were there. I'm getting all screwed up. Um, oh, Joel Cannon. You guys know who Joel Cannon is. He, I believe, used to be on the community cast for Flight Fest. So he and I have been internet pals for a couple of years now. And we finally met face-to-face. Uh, Andre Russo from RC After Hours was there. And he and I chatted and exchanged stickers so he now has an RC Roundtable sticker, and I have some RC After Hours stickers. And there was a mud wrestling match. I will not discuss the outcome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. There was oh, no okay. And uh, Louis Rusi, another local buddy here who's one of the mainstays of Flight Fest. He's always volunteering there. Um, so... Oh, no. Uh, one more pair of people I wanted to mention was Steve and Jack. I'm going to butcher their last name. Nizgoda or Nizgoda. These are a father and son team that I had introduced myself to through Instagram because they were posting some really neat foam board stuff. And one of the designs they posted was a DC-3 or C-47. And it looked super and so I assumed that they were going to be going to Flight Fest. And I said, hey, I've got plans for a Waco glider. What size is your C-47? I'll see if I can put together one of my gliders. And maybe we can tow it at Flight Fest. Um, so he gave me the info, but I, I didn't do my part. I wasn't able to build mine. I resized the plans, but wasn't able to build anything. But anyway, I met with them. And they have some just gorgeous airplanes. So we talked a little while ago about how sophisticated these foam board airplanes are coming. And it's it's really stunning because most of the stuff that I'm still building is very flat-sided, you know, two-dimensional stuff. It's a box and a Hershey bar wing where 
guys like Steve and Jack and John Overstreet and some other people are really just going above and beyond and putting compound curves and some very accurate profile scale airplanes. They had a Hellcat there. In addition to the C-47, the C-47 looked spectacular. It even had wing fillets in there. Just amazing stuff to me. And it's still foam board? You talk Foam board, yeah. yeah. The quarter-inch thick foam board. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure what the secret sauce is that they're using, but they, they're doing some good stuff. And these airplanes fly well, too. So, yeah, it's something to... I guess the idea here is that there's a lot of innovation to be had and a lot of advancement to be found in this whole foam board arena. It's not just a beginner's area. There's room to grow. So I'm, I'm looking to these guys who are doing this kind of stuff and seeing where they take it. And I'll, I'll follow the lead on this one. Yeah. It is a truly unique event. And it's interesting how the, the, the sort of quote unquote clientele I get is, is, it's really, really very different than any other flying I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. And the whole atmosphere of the place is just pretty amazing. amazing yeah, to... it really is. And I talked to some people, I, I forget exactly who all the conversations run together, but you know, we had talked here before about how if you go to your regular RC club meeting, one of the ongoing topics is how do we bring young people in and let's keep this hobby from dying because it's generally a bunch of old guys who are keeping the hobby alive and they're all dying off, right? Well, that argument quickly fades at Flight Fest because there is a, a huge core of not just young people, but young people with their families. It's a, a family event for a lot of people. Yeah, I remember that. I saw a lot of families. It definitely skews younger. I mean, you've got tents, build tents filled with kids doing all kinds of crazy things. And I don't know what it. I don't know if I can put my finger on it. It's just something I guess it's cheap, fun, and easy. I guess. Yeah. So Lee, you had told me to look for Max there, and that he would be in the build tent. Um, there were two build tents. They're very big, and so I kind of poked my head into both of them, and it was just a mass of people building dozens and dozens of airplanes. And I'm like, wow, I I could weave my way through these tents for an hour, and and not only would I get yeah. distracted, but I... Well, you, did, you didn't just stand there going, Max! Max! <laughs> that would be a little creepy, I think. But, uh, but no. So, well, unfortunately, okay, yeah. Max is one of the people that I did not get to meet that day. So, we'll, we'll have to rectify that next year. Well, Max did make it. So, he was there. He was texting Austin. And he sent a few pictures to Austin, but said his cell service was pretty spotty. And also his dad had responded to a text of mine and said the same thing. And eventually, I guess a couple of days ago, he sent me some more photos. So they did have a good time. He said it was great. And they built some uh, interesting aircraft. With I'm, I'm hoping to uh, share that on our collage for this episode. So mm. I'll show you one of the planes he built. Oh, cool. Now, so Terry, he was building stuff from scratch there? Yeah, he... he he and his friend, I'm, I'm assuming his friend brought some other stuff. There was a Corsair and a couple other planes that were, um, you know, pre-made ARFs. But, no, he built a, a large, large thing. Okay. <laughs> thing. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. I saw the first uh, test flight, which did not go well. But uh, in any case, I, I'm assuming they got things worked out. But yeah. And that's thing. one of the things I still have trouble wrapping my head around because it's not how I like to do RC events. I, the thought of 
going there and building something from scratch and flying it there just sounds like painful to me. But there is a large number of people who that's kind of their enjoyment out of this. So I don't know if it's just the atmosphere of having other people doing the same thing or people to bounce ideas off of or help. I don't know what it is, but there's certainly an aspect of that that draws people in. And there were people who that's where they stayed. And I think you said that about your Austin at Flight Fest, Texas. He was as content as he could be in that build tent. Well, Fitz could say vouch for me. He's like, where's Austin? I was like, probably at the build tent. (laughs) (laughs) He was either going to be sleeping, eating, or at the build tent. (laughs) That's all I had to worry about. Yeah. (laughs) What is new, buddy? So, yeah, I don't know if that aspect of it was accidental because if if they had picked me and say, here, I want you to – organize our first flight fest never in a million years would i say hey let's set up two really big tents where people can just build their own airplanes all weekend I'd like that's the dumbest idea ever but i love it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean it just goes to show what i know because it's it's a big draw for some people apparently and yeah and some very interesting stuff came out of there uh, uh no Okay. Oh, oh, I was going to say you you quickly you mentioned mud before. I understand there was a big storm that passed by there a day or two before you went. Yeah, yeah. We Did talked about that up? a little bit before. Yeah, they had a, a the apparently there was biblical flooding on Thursday, which is the first day of the event in the afternoon. A lot of people I talked to said they you know had just come in and or had just set up their tent or something, and then these huge rains came in and left several inches of water on the ground. By the time I got there on Saturday. There were some areas that were still soggy, but for the most part, it was not an issue. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's not like we had to wear our mud boots, although I brought mine. They weren't necessary. So, yeah, it was just something interesting to talk about. I guess uh, war stories that the first day people could tell to everybody else. So, And I I guess there's always some sort of weather-related issue at Flight Fest. Last year, it would have been the dust, and the year before that, it was rain again. So... Yeah. yeah, I haven't been there long enough. To, yeah, I'm not a long timer there, so I don't get to tell the stories yet. <laughs> yeah, this was just a wind. It got pretty windy at one point. At this uh, year? Oh uh, no, when we went in Texas. Oh, in last Texas. Year. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so, can you tell us some of the more remarkable things you saw there? If that comes to mind, flying things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the first things I saw, actually, I heard somebody talk about it first. And then I was like, that doesn't even make sense. How did they do that? But then I saw it. It was a flying garbage can. I don't think it was. It doesn't make sense. How did they do that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it was a 55-gallon can, but it was a round can in that kind of shape. So whatever the next smaller size is. It's a big Mm -hmm. garbage can with wings. And the can was, they cut out the bottom of it. So it was basically a shroud. And they had a big propeller in there. So it was a, a ducted fan. That was a garbage can, and it flew. And it flew oh, well. okay. There, well, there's a real airplane that kind of looks like that. Yeah, that what, was it a Bernoulli something. Yeah, uh, maybe Bernoulli. Some Italian. Design. Yeah, I don't or remember, but I know there. what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. so they kind of mimic that. Very similar to that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Was it metal or plastic? Uh, well, the Rubbermaid kind of things. Uh, okay. Yeah. And then the wings were foam board, from what I could tell. And it flew. It flew, yeah, and flew well. Controllably. It seemed to be, yeah. Flew multiple times. Nice. Yeah. It wasn't like a a Wright Brothers thing where it just did a a straight, low-level thing. It it flew around the pattern. Uh, Anything else? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
So I told you about uh, Joshua Richard's P-47. So that's a more traditional airplane, but it, it is a stand-apart thing and notable for being traditional there. I, I could count on one hand the number of balsa or even foam arfs that I saw. Almost every plane I saw there was built out of foam board and the flight test style. So, and I want to say last year, maybe it wasn't quite as high a percentage, but at some point during the day, it struck me that, wow, I, I'm really not seeing much off the shelf stuff here. You know, if you're not counting their speed build kits as off the shelf, but somebody assembled each one of these airplanes. So, so I, I think, I think that's a notable, popular. yeah, well, for sure. And especially in that particular crowd. Um, yeah, it's just, it's hard to describe the, the devotion that this particular group of people has. It's also remarkable how more sophisticated they're getting. You know, I saw, I guess they have a P-38 now. Yep. Did you see that fly? I did not. I saw it static, but I didn't see it fly. Yeah, that's got a lot of compound curves and stuff on it. That was. Did you take pictures? I already told you about pictures. It, it, it's a P-38. Oh, uh, that. No, I did not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Settle down. Somebody took didn't pictures. Didn't photograph of... it. Didn't see it fly. What the hell are we sending you up to flight well, for? You know what? It's like if when we go to New York, did you take a picture of the Statue of Liberty? No, but there Wait. are pictures of the Statue of Liberty. If the it was, if the Statue of Liberty was in front of my face, I would have taken a picture. <laughs> we weren't even near the Statue of Liberty, but you were near a P-38. <laughs> This uh, is Overstreet. What is this, Overstreet's P-38? I believe it is, yeah. God, it's amazing. It I've is. I've seen photos of it. I follow him on Instagram. That thing is a gorgeous thing. Yeah, so he had that, and there was a nice-looking Zero um, that was painted. Oh, gosh. They're just they're P-47s that look good, and bigger ones, too. The normal size, whatever they are, I don't know. We'll, we'll say 1.2 meter. Isn't that the popular size? But then there was one that was easily double that that flew. Let's see. I talked about Ben Harbor's uh, B-52. That was pretty cool. Oh, another one that I saw static but didn't see fly. A foam board airplane. Imagine a foam board 747. Big. Wow. Right? Yeah. And I think it was ducted fans as well. Looked good. And on the back of that 747 was a space shuttle. Yeah, the shuttle. So they did the NASA 747 uh, as an SCA with a shuttle Aww. on top. Was the shuttle controllable too? Its own vehicle? I assume so, but I. it was one of those things that I was in the middle of going somewhere when I saw it, so I couldn't ask questions because they had a nope. crowd of people around them. Nope, and nope. But, you, but you stop and you go. I, well, I stopped and took pictures, but I didn't have time to wait around to ask the builders questions. Oh. Uh, but I did later see pictures that it flew. I saw pictures of them conjoined, but I didn't see any pictures of them separated. Mm. So I, I can't answer that. I'm sure somebody listening to this knows whether or not they can be separated. You but know, really, I think I re- if they can't, what's the point? Yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, why, I'm sure they probably did. I mean, why do it? You know, it's, it's flight fest, right? Uh, but I'm thinking that I really need to go take a look, see if they have build videos or something, because I'm really curious about how they do all these compound curves and stuff on these foam board planes. Yeah, and, you know, as you say that, it occurs to me that because this is a younger crowd, typically, and probably more digital savvy, I would just assume that most of these builds are more well-documented than your traditional RC builds. 
I'm just pulling that right out of the air, but uh, that's my hunch. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you find something out there on, on how this stuff is built. So, all right, where are we going? Oh, I was listing the planes. Um, okay, it, I don't think I'm bragging if I say this. One of the other unique planes there was one that I brought, and it was um, the X-Wing, which you guys have well, have heard me talk about got before. From, you, you got that from Neat? Was that you got it, that one from Neat? Yeah, Adam Woodworth, a okay. friend of mine from California that I met at the Neat Fair last year. He let me take home his X-Wing fighter. Yeah, Star Wars X-Wing, right? Yeah, yeah. Is there another X-Wing? Uh, yes. What? Uh, Sikorsky made a helicopter, they called it the X-Wing. Oh, it's not that. <laughs> Rebel Alliance X-Wing. Okay. Yeah. So that I flew, and I have to, I said this to anybody who asked me about it. I'm like, I didn't design it. The guy who did design it is Adam Woodworth, and he flies it a hundred times better than I do. So to watch Adam fly it, you would be amazed. But even so, the the visual appearance of this thing is enough for most people. So it looks just like an X-Wing fighter. So that in and, it's, in and of itself that it flies at all is great, but it flies really well. So I was able to get it up and down and do some basic aerobatics with it. Adam does crazy aerobatics with it. So it's fun to watch him fly it. But um, I put in a couple flights and uh, always had people want to ask me about it afterwards. So I would not be surprised if Adam gets a lot more planned downloads in the near future. And several people asked me where to find those plans. I need to find the link and maybe we'll put that in our, our relevant links section for this episode on our website. Uh, but there should be an updated version of the plans available for anybody who wants to build an X-Wing fighter of their own. Yeah. And it's a profile made out of uh, EPP. Nothing crazy about it. Oh, it's not actually made out of foam board? No, no. Uh, I suppose you could if you wanted to. Um, but this particular one is made out of EPP, which, uh, uh, yeah, okay, I'm going to say that's better than foam board because when it lands, it comes down on the nose. Um, so you need that springiness of EPP. Foam board uh -huh. probably wouldn't last long. In that gotcha. Although Adam typically takes off and lands vertically. So if you have the flying skills of Adam, wow. foam board is probably acceptable. So I, I'm convinced there are other spectacular airplanes that I did not mention. Oh, oh, here's another one I thought of. Uh, the Tupolev TB3. Are you guys familiar with that? It was one of those no. monster pre-World War II Russian bombers. And at some point they had it set up where it, uh, carried parasite fighters, like some on top of the wing, I think one under the fuselage slung by the landing gear. I'm sure you've seen pictures of it. So it would have, uh, I think, like Polikarpov, what are they, I-16s, the little monoplane things? Yeah. It would have four or five of those, or a mixture of different planes. So it was this gigantic four-engine Russian bomber that would carry its own protection with it. So somebody had one of those made out of foam board. It didn't have the parasites on it. It was the strict bomber, but it looked really good. And it was a basic design. It wasn't fancy. You could tell it was made out of foam board. You can tell it had yeah. hot glue and tape and all that, but it was unmistakably this bomber and it looked good and it flew great. And they flew the dadgum thing in full contact combat. <laughs> the whole bomber? Oh, man. Yeah. 
Wow. So they spent all this time making a nice scale model, and then they just put it up in the the dunk yeah. pile. I see some pictures. Did it have the parasite fighters on it as well? No, it did not. Okay. Yeah, but I see. It's that's a big four be the engine next, thing. Yeah. It's a yeah. goofy looking. It actually built one. Looks yeah. like. It is. It looks like really whimsical. <laughs> it looks kind of steampunkish. Yeah, it's a kind of. It's hard to describe. It's got open cockpit, yeah. and but yeah, fix, you know, cantilever wings. So it's a kind of a mishmash of modern and pre World War II stuff. Yeah, it's really weird. And it's got, yeah, a little I looks like it a carry I fifteen Russian. and I sixteen. Yeah, yeah. It looks completely utilitarian Russian. Yeah. So anyway, but I saw that and I immediately recognized what it was and it was a big airplane. And then I saw it fly. I'm like, wow, it flies really well. And then I'm like, wow, they're trying to smash it in another airplane. So, they actually fly why would they fly in combat? Why not? It's flight fest. <laughs> Well, that's true. What am I asking? Oh. Yeah. That, that's their logo. When in Rome. <laughs> their, their, their motto, it's Flight Fest. Why not? It's Flight Fest. <laughs> well, the real motto is uh, bring the people you love and the airplanes you don't, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, but Joshua didn't <laughs> follow that rule. He didn't the <laughs> and rules. see what happened? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, oh, gosh. I think it's true. No, we're going to talk about Stan now. You ready to talk about Stan? Stan. Yeah, let's talk about Stan. So Stan is the name of, we talked about James Stewart earlier, the guy who flies this big airplane in combat. That airplane is Stan. He had a new version of Stan this year. Now, last year when I saw Stan, it was notable because it was the biggest airplane flying in the combat sessions I saw, but I don't remember it having particular success or failure. It was just kind of there. This year, Stan, I believe Stan the third, was a juggernaut. It was like Godzilla coming through downtown New York, just swatting airplanes out of the sky right and left. His TB3? No, no, Stan. Stan's a whole different airplane. Stan oh, is... Oh, it's just called Stan? It's called Stan. It's huge. It's made out of foam board. It's a four-engine plane, and I think each motor has a 15-inch prop. I, I don't know. <laughs> wow. I would guess like a 15, no, 13-foot wingspan, I think. Yeah, I don't know the weight. Uh, James doesn't Whoa. know the weight. But it's huge. It's built for combat. I ran across some pictures of the assembly, and it looks like, like <laughs> uh, lumberyard spars. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the internal bracing for the fuselage is strips of lumber so it's built like a tank and it acts like a tank and so in one of the combat sessions i saw he must have taken out more than six airplanes they would all these little planes were kind of buzzing around trying to get it and they would just bounce off of it and if one hit the <laughs> propeller it would just be an instant cloud of confetti from this other airplane and it was so much fun to watch and he rigged this new one up with an air horn. So it would circle around and as it, <laughs> air horn. Yeah, as it was headed towards the dog pile, they would blow the air horn so everybody would know it's coming. And it was loud. <laughs> I'm watching a video of it right now. Someone's got it updated on, on a, the YouTube channel. It's called Tiny Whoop. Yeah. And they've got video of it flying. Holy smokes. And it, they've got a 360 VR camera on it. Oh, yeah. I was talking, I was trading messages with James today and saying, oh, if you've got that great. footage, that's going to be amazing. 
So oh, I'm looking at it right now. I've definitely got to send this link to you to post. Yeah. This is great. So I think I said before that the the combat's fun to watch. It's it's okay to fly in for me, but it's kind of overstimulating visually. So you only get to see your one little plane. You don't get to see the, all of the action going on. So I would tell you, I did not fly combat this year. I just observed it. Um, but to be honest, I get tired of it after about five minutes because not much happens anymore. Half the airplanes have crashed or run out of battery, and then it's just it becomes a duration contest. But not this time, man. It <laughs> from start to finish, Stan was just dominating this thing. <laughs> it sounds like you're, he's catching fish with a net with his plane, basically. It's kinda, yeah. And uh, it, like I said, he would turn onto the the upwind leg, blow the horn, and sometimes he would start wagging around just to, <laughs> I guess, cover more sky. <laughs> and these airplanes were just bouncing off. And oh, it was so much fun to watch, and everybody was into it. And and it kind of reminded me. I happened to be standing close to James, so I could hear what they were saying as well. And they were having so much fun with it, and all the people that were trying to knock him down were just having a ball. And And it's really hard to describe because it must be – a hundred yards of flight line with pilots standing shoulder to shoulder. And that's how many airplanes are in the sky. And it's just, there's no hurt feelings and everybody's into it. And I guess maybe a safety officer at an AMA club might have a heart attack, but really it's, it's as safe as it could be. <laughs> Do they even have a range safety officer? I didn't. We're the easiest yeah. job in the world. <laughs> yeah, right. But it was just so much fun to watch. And again, that community spirit is alive and well, even when they're trying to smash each other's airplanes out of the sky. And another, I couldn't tell it at this point, but I watched another combat session later in the day. So you've got the the main flight line fence where spectators are on one side, pilots are all out on the other. There's a, there's a I don't know, maybe 15 feet of easement. Then there's the runway, which they had a Petromat runway. And then for combat, the pilots stood on the other side of the runway. So it gave a little bit more buffer between the pilots and the spectators, just in case something did, you know, get out of hand. So I was close to the flight line next to the spectators for a later one. And there's just as many people piled up along that fence. And I was next to these kids, must have been 20 kids there, and the kids are cheering. They're not just cheering because of destruction and death from above. They know the names of these airplanes. They identify them by name. Sometimes they know the pilot by name, and they're cheering on specific airplanes like, oh, go Sparrow, get them. And I have never seen anything like that. It was just crazy that these kids and young kids know, they're so familiar with what's going on and are feel connected with the people in the airplanes and the events and they're really involved with it. it. It just struck me as something totally unique. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, it was, it was fun to be in the middle of all that and you can't help but feel a part of it yourself. So I, we here have talked about, we're not in lockstep with everything that flight test does. You know, there's things that we take exception to. But there is no denying that they have struck a chord with a core group of people and gotten them invigorated about what it is we do. So kudos to them for that. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. 
So it would be interesting 20 years from now to pull the whatever RC hobbyists remain and say, where did you get your start? And I would just venture that a, a good majority of them will have come from the origins of flight test. Yeah, it'd be interesting you know, to see the long-term effect of this. I mean, just like I look at the video and this this is huge. As long as the runway is, and this is like a like a full scale airport looks like. It's just packed with tents and cars and people. Such a heavily populated flying event. I've never seen an event with this many people. Except maybe like Ceph, maybe, maybe. Well, no, because right, I don't know the the accuracy of any of these numbers. But I saw a thing that I think was posted on Facebook Wednesday, and it talked about there being four hundred people there at at flight fest those 400 yeah. people were the volunteers and their family wow so 400 people at any other rc event would be a huge event oh well yeah attended. i remember yeah, going to ceph and it was like 400 pilots and i'm like wow 400 so i don't know what the number was here i would venture it's somewhere between 1000 and 2000 registered pilots i don't know but it's a lot of people yeah uh, but it's uh, very harmonious they have plenty of Toilets, plenty of food, plenty of room. So, I mean, logistically, it wasn't an issue that I could tell. Oh, so while I'm thinking of this, and I'm not quite sure what I think about it, but it's just something to point out. I registered, checked in, and everything I saw advertised said you have to be an AMA member to participate. They did not ask me for it. And when I offered to show them my AMA card, they said they did not need it. So... I, I don't know what to think of that. I don't know if I care. I don't know if it was just an oversight, whatever, but presumably mm. non-AMA members could have participated. So, Don't ask, don't tell? I guess. I don't know. Uh, I guess, yeah, maybe a little boilerplate. And, yeah. and <laughs> I mean, being honest here, the stuff that you're doing is blatantly in contrast with some of the AMA safety rules. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying... They're inherently unsafe, but yeah, you know, it's different. That's that's all the way I know to say it. It's different. Well, so it's different. Instance, well, it's well, yeah, good. Well, an example of that is after combat. There's obviously a lot of airplanes, wrecked airplanes, all over the field, and people go out to gather their stuff, and it takes a few minutes to find and to pick it up. And so, rather than just wait all day for people to do this, at some point they say there's enough people back that it's okay to open the flight line. So. At any other event, if there's 20 people walking around on the flight field, it's still shut down. But here we're like, ah, okay, looks good. Start flying again. And yeah, yeah, this is there's none of the old stodginess of more some of the more traditional organized events. This is yeah, really kind of a free for all almost. Right, and if you take a step back, yeah, you're dealing with mostly small, low-powered airplanes. So yeah, and that since the risk is less, that doesn't mean that there couldn't be bigger ones up there. But, you but, know, but yeah, your you, overall majority are basically cardboard airplanes. Yeah, if you're playing the odds, it, it's probably not a big deal. And presumably everybody knows the risks they're taking by doing that. I, I, I don't really know. But uh, at no point did I feel unsafe. At the same time, I was you know, very cognizant to, to do things that I thought were safety conscious. I still called out when I was landing and taking off and had to cross the runway. Not that I'm sure the people 20 feet on either side of me heard. Beyond that, eh, not so much. <laughs> Aren't you nice? <laughs> well, I mean, and a lot of people, did they, 
there's signs set up saying these are the protocols. You should be doing this stuff. But realistically, there's too many people there to to really manage it closely. Mm. So, but again, it, it's flight fest. It's kind of a, its own thing. So you you accept what it is and you, you, you're either okay with it or you're not. Well, 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 I think the overwhelming majority of them are okay. It sounds like you had another great time at Flight Fest Ohio. Do you have anything else on your list, Terry? What's that? Do you have anything else on your list? Um, no, I wanted, I wanted to talk about the people, and I did get that out of the way, and I wanted to talk about some of the special airplanes. So I think I got that. Now, I, I do want to talk a little about some of the other stuff I brought. I did bring my other yin-yang, and I flew it there, and it it flew pretty well. I still need some to do some trimming on it, but uh, I did get the maiden flight out of the way. Did I just say that? Did I maiden an airplane at an event? <laughs> Everything at Flight Fest is almost a maiden. <laughs> yeah, right? really. What They're happens building at Flight planes Fest in the tent. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't the only one. Right. So uh, I did that, and actually, I did not bring it home. It went home with Dan Sponholes because he is going to be helping me with the plans for that design. Oh, really? So, yeah, he draws a lot of the flight test designs, so um, he's already familiar with doing those foam board-type plans. I'm like, hmm, he might be just the guy I need. So I contacted him, and he was willing, so I sent that airplane home with him to give him a, a template for, for drawing it up. Uh, well, here's my little segue. If you left the yin yang, did you bring something else home? No, I did anything replace it? No, I didn't bring home any new airplanes. You didn't buy any flight test planes? I didn't even go in the store they have there. Wow. Is that bad? It's not that I'm not interested in that stuff, but if when I tell you I was running from one thing to the next every minute that I was there, uh, that's not an exaggeration. So I had an agenda and I stuck to it, man. And buying new airplanes was not part of that agenda. So, there. And the last thing I want to mention is that somewhat on a whim, I brought my bigger C-47 and Waco glider combo. And I mentioned before on the last show that I was going to bring the micro in. And I brought that too, but ended up not flying it. But because I didn't finish that medium-sized Waco that I had talked about, I decided, well, I'll just bring the bigger ones, and if it's not too crowded, I'll see if anybody will fly with me. And I'm so glad that I did, because some other people were there aerotowing. They had the Flight Fest, what's that twin? The Legacy, is that it? Don't you have one of those, Lee? I mean, the, the Founders plane? Yeah. What? I, it, I, I didn't buy the plane. Oh, what's it called? I, I already have a twin cub. I don't need that thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> for all the people who are screaming at their radios right now, the, whatever that <laughs> twin is called, I, I apologize for not knowing it. There was. You keep talking. I'll look it up. Okay. There were some people using that as a tow plane and then the the flight test gliders. Simple Soar. People are going to murder me for not knowing the names of these planes. The legacy is correct. Yeah. They were doing some air tow with that. And some of them looked pretty good. Some of them were kind of sketchy. And I remember thinking, oh, that's what it looked like when we first started air towing. I'm like, oh, they'll figure it out like we did. It's good. So I didn't <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to go over there and say, here's what you need to do, pal. Um, but it was also a little bit windy in the middle of the day. Not much, but a little bit windy. So um, I decided to get the C-47 out. And 
I asked Josh Orchard if he would fly the glider and he was willing to do that. And I was still a little bit unsure because it's crowded sky, crowded runway, crowded sky once you get up. And the bigger issue usually is finding room to land. Uh, the C-47 requires a little bit of runway, and but it all worked out. We had some fabulous toes, like some of the smoothest I've ever had with that airplane. And these are the first toes I've done since the last time I flew this combo was at the Neat Fair last September. And after I brought it home, the C-47 was starting to look a little bit ragged. So I reworked the ailerons. I put some new props on it and did some other stuff. And it flew great. The Waco flew great. Um, Josh did a superb job flying it. Not not even a bobble. On He did, I think, two toes. And it was just fun to watch. And then later in the day, we got it back out. And Josh Ash flew the glider. And same thing. Super toes, super glide, uh, excellent from top to bottom. And I'm going to get murdered again. Another person from Josh's crew, I don't remember his name, but he flew the glider next. And we went up pretty high for that one. And he kept that glider up for a long time and brought it down to a picture-perfect landing right in front of us. So, Did anyone get photos or video of this? Yes. If you look on our Facebook page where... The, um, Adam Klein and excuse me, Adam Drain and Josh Ash posted pictures from the uh, Air Force Museum where they saw the C 47 and Waco full size. In the comments is a cell phone video of one of those flights. So, not very detailed, but you get the idea. I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm looking right now. Yeah, go check it out. And a couple pictures of my backside if you're into that thing. So, yeah, that about sums it up. The planes I flew were the X-Wing, both yin-yangs, my micro-parallax, the C-47 Waco combo. Uh, I did fly one of my bigger parallax planes once, and that might be it. Or maybe I'm forgetting something. I don't know. But I do feel what'd like you have, a lot. What would you have for lunch? I had a pulled pork baked potato. Hmm. <laughs> Is that, is that okay? Yeah, that's perfect. Oh, and my friends from one of my club, my one of my clubs here, I guess is right. Uh, Chris and Ron, they fed me dinner that night, so I had a great sausage dog. Oh, so, nice. Thanks, Chris and Ron. And um, yeah, I was uh, really surprised by the people I didn't know that I was going to see there and, and saw and, and got to chat with, so... Thumbs up across the board. All right. Well, it sounds like you had a really good time, regardless of uh, the limited time you were there. Yep, I did. Mm. So I'm going to say it again. I hope to go longer next year. I just need to figure out how to make that happen. So maybe if one of you guys came up, that would make it easier. Well, I'll tell you today I had a conversation with Austin about it, and he was kind of giving me, oh, I wish we could have gone I said, yeah, but I think if they're going to have it next year at uh, Edgewater, then it's a definite because that would be the, the what do you call it? The uh, not the premiere, is that right? I don't know. The, Edgewater would be the first time. Edgewater It'd be the yeah. Where's that? Edgewater, Edgewater Park is the new home for flight test. Oh, it, oh, there are new facilities they bought the yeah. golf course, I think, right? 
That'll be interesting because where it is now at Fury Field, it's pretty much a wide open farm. So I'm trying to figure out how you transplant everything here onto a golf course, basically, with trees and I would assume well, they break it up into separate flight lines, but I'm sure they can pull it off, but I'm just curious how that looks. If they do have it there, I definitely want to attend it. I'm also curious if they've got any other locations set for Flight Fest. Mm, I don't you know. know. We Obviously, we didn't have it. You know, we didn't have any Flight Fest Texas here. So Somebody mentioned to me going... that they were having another Texas, but I don't, I cannot verify that. So. We're hoping. Well, and and I, I guess we'll have to check with some of our insiders to see if it's coming out. But, you know, I definitely, definitely want to go to another one. If it comes to Texas, we'll go to that one. If it's... If we're going to have to wait and go to Ohio, we'll do that again next year. Yeah. All right. You said it. I'm going to hold you to it. Okay. Well, let's just hope my truck doesn't break oh, down. Oh, please. You're already <laughs> making excuses. Or my AC doesn't quit. <laughs> yeah, right. That's well, that's me. Your AC quit? Uh, I had AC problems in my car, and I have AC oh. problems in the house. Oh, boy. Yeah. Are they better now? Enough of that. Uh, anyways. All right, well, hey, uh, thanks for that uh, data download, Terry. Finally gave us some information on what the heck you were doing last weekend. Yeah, and if there's anybody I talked to that I did not mention, I apologize. I was in saturation mode that day, so <laughs> I'm sure I enjoyed talking with you. We well, had a lot to say. Yeah, except for that one guy. Boy, that yeah. guy. Really, he was just a jerk. <sighs> He'll get his. Unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> well, Terry, while you were gallivanting around in uh, Ohio, uh, Lee and I met up at a swap meet here in Central Houston at what they call the Scobie Field at uh, George Bush Park, I believe it's called, right? Yeah, so uh, this club, the Scobie Club, is known to have uh, a few swap meets throughout the year. And I always kind of like going to them because, uh, A, they're centrally located and it seemed to draw pretty good crowds. Uh, for what it is, and uh, we it was uh, it turned out to be a pretty nice day. I think the weather was going to be a little iffy at first, but it actually turned out to be quite nice. Uh, <laughs> although I think we were both late <laughs> for various reasons. <laughs> I was later. <laughs> later, <laughs> yes. Was it yeah, slim pickings when you got there. Yeah, yeah. People had already started leaving. I think when we got there, and we really weren't that late. I think we got there on nine nine thirty. I think. Oh, nine o'clock is late. Apparently so. Wow. Yeah, Stuart Rush had already packed up his truck. Yeah, I was like, you guys are already leaving? And they said, I guess they, they did mention that the crowd seemed a little light this, this time. Uh, but still, I think it was that late. We had actually planned on being early, but I carpooled with a uh, friend Jeff, because he's got a nice big truck now. Uh, but his nice big truck doesn't have the toll pass. And so we ended up <laughs> <laughs> taking an extra 30, 40 minutes trying to figure out the roads, because the GPS kept wanting to put us on the toll roads. And uh, we couldn't do that, so um, yeah, we got delayed on that. Uh, but Jeff. I won't complain too much, because I did end up pretty much getting rid of everything I had brought, except for one plane, oh. uh, in one way or another. So Fire sale prices? or Yeah, they were prices? pretty much fire sale prices, but it was stuff that I, I didn't feel good about asking too much anyways, because they, they, needed, they needed some love. Oh. Um, I think one guy ended up buying, like, Two or three of my planes? Two? Two of the... Some, there were some plane carcasses that needed some finishing, and there was one ready to fly that was 
hit really good price on it. Um, mm. And and a couple of planes I did some horse trading for. So uh, yeah, I was generally good 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 to clean out the garage a little bit, make some space for some stuff that pretty much got immediately yeah, but, filled up with other stuff. <laughs> but you, you forgot to mention my favorite part in that yeah. at the end of the swap meet, he and Jeff like traded planes. So he ended up bringing a plane he could have just given Jeff <laughs> <laughs> or Jeff could have dropped off his house. So they ended up bringing both and they left home with both. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I already packed the plane in the car. And when we get there, Jeff's like, well, if I knew you put going to sell that, I would have taken it. <laughs> it's like, well, now you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he ended up. Uh, uh, Jeff ended up with a, him and his father ended up with a couple of planes that they really liked. And I said, yeah, sure. Um, uh, it was funny. There was a guy. Lee, you remember the guy at the end? He had a couple of P fifty ones. I do. And yeah. um, apparently, Jeff really wanted those. He was selling them both for a hundred bucks. Yeah, he wanted both for a hundred bucks. It was actually a really good price. And I think I wanted a hundred bucks for the jet I was selling. So Jeff walks over, grabs my jet, and goes, "You want to trade?" <laughs> <laughs> the other guy like, hey, wait a minute what are you doing <laughs> you taking my plane to trade for some other plane <laughs> shut up Fitz I'm getting two P-51s <laughs> let me make the deal <laughs> he's such a wheeling dealer but the guy didn't was didn't seem too interested he was nice about it but he just wasn't interested <laughs> uh, one thing I forgot though was apparently there was a raffle and I completely forgot about it did you see anything about that I did not see anything about oh, the raffle. The advertiser says they're raffling off an engine that I actually had an interest in, but I completely forgot about it. I didn't see anything set up for it. Uh, so maybe they, just, they didn't at the last minute. But anyways, Lee, tell your side of the story. What did you see? Well, I brought both my boys. I didn't get anything for them, Terry. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> but uh, the first thing, like, we get out of the car. I'm, I don't know where I was walking. I was just walking one direction. The next thing I know, Ryan's got a wing under his arm. <laughs> <laughs> someone, someone gave him a, a, a plastic-covered foam wing with a you know aileron servo in it. It's it you know it's like here, just take this kid. So, <laughs> he little puppy dog eyes. <laughs> he was just walking down, walking down the sidewalk with a wing. So I put that uh, in my truck, and then we looked at some of other things. And I don't know, we were walking around for about an hour, I guess. And Ryan came across a Flyzone B25. This guy was selling. Now, little did I know, while I was somewhere else, uh, you know, they were kind of making the deal. And I talked to Ryan. I didn't look at the plane myself. And he goes, Dad, I really want to buy it. It's only 20 bucks. You know, he says it's ready to fly. And it comes with a box. It's like, are, are you sure? Did you check it out? And he said, yes. I said, okay. So <laughs> we get the plane. It's rather beat up. I'm looking at it in the box. We didn't pull it out. I was like, okay, well, we'll wait till we get home. We'll take a look at it. But it was, you know, it was probably worth 20 or 30 bucks, being that it was a little fly zone plane, no battery. Mm-hmm. And then Austin came across a little FPV quad he wanted. And I asked the same question. I said, did you check it out? Do you know what you want? What But it was like 70 bucks. So Ryan and I ended up giving him, you know, splitting the cost because he had more, Ryan had more money than I did. <laughs> so uh, we gave Austin the money. We go back. We start. Uh, I brought my solo strike with me, the Hangar 9 solo strike with the four stroke. I wanted to try it out with the new fuel that I had. And I also changed all the lines from the tank. So I come back, we're sitting at the table setting up, and Austin comes to the, the quadcopter. I said, okay, what, what radio does it go with? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, does it go with Spectrum? Is it Photobi? He goes, oh, I don't know. I said, well, maybe you should ask the guy. <laughs> it turns out it's for FR Sky. <laughs> so we don't we don't have a radio. So I said, well, you better go get your money back now before you know you go home with it, and you're stuck with a useless quad. <laughs> so luckily, the, the guy let him, you know, 
give it back. So it's just one of those. All sales are final. <laughs> we were looking. It's like, oh, God, thank goodness. Well, uh, long story short, uh, the, the fun part with Fitz is that I got the solo strike flying. And uh, the first flight, I was, you know, got it in the air and it was doing okay. I handed the controls to Fitz. And I, I think you enjoyed it, Fitz, right? For about 30 seconds. Until the what? <laughs> the engine quit on me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is a nice flying burp. But I got to say, it was fun doing this little, uh, I don't know what you call it, routine, (laughs) comedy routine. There you go uh, with Fitz. But uh, the engine quit and that thing landed like a glider, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It was very, very nice flying into a style plane. Yeah, very nice. So it was a little bit windy. So he got it down and we uh, cranked in what three or four clicks of uh, fuel back into it, got it running and flew for a little bit and it, it quit again. So we brought it down, and man, I think we put a whole half turn. Yeah, richened up richen quite a bit. Thing. Yeah. yeah, we had to really richen it up, and it dropped about four or five hundred RPM by doing that. But uh, the next flight, we we flew it; it never quit. I mean, and you could tell it would lean lean out when it was getting way higher. You know, um, it's just weird, it's just weird sounding engine. But for for what it's worth, it's a little trainer plane. We had a blast. You know, we're doing loops and rolls and some. Squeaky flybys with those wheels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least flying again. <laughs> I was, uh, you know what, to me, it was one of those successful moments. I got this, I had this whole plane, the motor's running, everything's working fine. The fuel that I got is, you know, the from Samano's work great. I, I'm really happy. I'm kind of glad I got that thing back in the air. Um, but coming back home, you know, got everything back in the garage. Ryan says, here, Dad, can you get this the B-25 running? And man, I think it was exactly what he paid for. It was a $20 plane because I, I got it apart and it was just a mess. There were several cracks in the fuselage. The tail surfaces were, were busted. Um, I couldn't get the radio to work, uh, one of the servos to work. So this guy had must have had other crashes and he just poured in the super glue oh, no. around the, the receiver controller, mixer board, whatever. Mm. And after I got it out, I could tell that one wire is completely gone from a servo motor. The way these motors are, these servos have these little wires coming out. So long story short, it was just not worth it for me to fix it. So I sealed everything up. I glued it. I taped it. I said, Ryan, had you seen this plane like it is right now in my hand? And someone was selling it. How much would you pay? And he goes, $10. I said, oh, good, good. I gave him $10 back and said, there you go. You now have a $10 model <laughs> to stick on your table. Because <laughs> I'm done I'm done messing with it. But he's happy. He's got another B-25. He got one from Lone Star Flight Museum for his birthday. And now he's got another little B-25. So he's in B-25 heaven. So the swap meet turned out okay. All right. Fun. Fun. Yeah. So... Here's what I thought of while you were telling the story about the solo strike, that that's kind of a beginner-oriented trainer plane, right? I wouldn't even say kind of. That's specifically what it's for. So It's a high-wing trainer, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's that's what says that you are undeniably a lifer, that you still find joy in that kind of airplane, maybe for different reasons than you would have as a beginner. But and And I totally know where you're at with this. But you still look at that airplane and you see something fun in it and something useful in it, despite the fact that it's not made for you. You you are not their target audience by any stretch. But it's, but I I did buy it the first time. Well, okay, but uh, <laughs> it's like it just knocked at my door one day. It was just sitting there on the on the porch. Well, well that's precisely <laughs> my, my point. It, 
it's uh, it's still the basis is there. It, it doesn't have to be anything particularly special or great to be a rewarding model airplane. Well, I, I it's almost gosh, I can always say it's almost like the build tent. It's yeah, I had pieces. They'd been in storage. I put everything back together. I went out and flew it. And to me, it was a success just to make sure that I can still make repairs, you know, because I got the engine running. And, right. um, you know, and, it, and quite frankly, I, I, you know, Fitz didn't really go into it. But, man, this thing flies great when it's a dead stick. Mm-hmm. And I've always made a comment to, what are you laughing about? Go. <laughs> just, hey, I've always had an airplane like a dead stick. <laughs> well, well, you know what? We no, a lot I'm of gonna, practice I, on Saturday. I'm going to say this. I've said this when we first had started our show, and you know about my history of flying. My dad got me in gliders first, so that I'd always learn how to land a plane. Right. Because <laughs> as soon as you toss the glider, you got to land it. Right. <laughs> it's, it's the next step. And you know, I've seen people panic with a powered plane when the engine dead sticks and they just start freaking out. But this is one of the best planes that I think you'd ever want to land if it if the engine quits. Because so, <laughs> it's it's just a gentle little it turns into a glider almost and it's such it's a just a fun plane to i mean i never panicked once i just I, in fact fitz had the sticks he'd never flown it before i said oh yeah you just turn it down when you come back so, <laughs> so this is a very glasses half full kind of story so anybody else oh man the engine just kept cutting off on me but you're like man does that thing dead stick great <laughs> we had a ball <laughs> we had three dead sticks that day it was awesome <laughs> so that's hey let's let's lean it out some more <laughs> <laughs> so, let's see if we can get the head to come off uh, don't fill the tank this time <laughs> okay yeah. so that, Ooh, okay so we're starting to take bets how when's it gonna quit five minutes ten minutes come on guys let's go <laughs> so that's my point and well, i intend all of this as a compliment so i i'm just saying you're um you're incurable. I am. I'm incurable. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a fun little recording. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was all right. I hope you enjoyed that, guys. That It'll might do. be the most I've ever talked in one stretch on this show, anyway. Well, I sat here and enjoyed it. I liked listening to your flight fest. I was living vicariously through you. All right. Well, next year, live. What's the opposite of vicariously? Uh, Actually, actually, yeah. actually yeah. Okay, I'll actually live through you. <laughs> no, no. Wait, what? You're like Martin Short? Never mind. It's a different movie. Oh God! Yeah. All right. Oh, take it away, Fitz. All Bring right. Us home. Well, I guess that wraps up another episode of RC Roundtable. Another and special this, episode. Another special edition of the RC Roundtable. All right, everybody, thanks for listening in and uh, to us uh, ramble on about our adventures in RC modeling. We always appreciate it. And uh, check out our Facebook page and see uh, the photos that uh, Terry referred to and hopefully some videos and other related things to Flight Fest Ohio. All right, guys, I'll see you next time. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts. Where you also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening. <laughs>